shotglassdigital.com. Welcome to another episode of Bad Wolf Radio, a discussion and review podcast all about Doctor Who. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Goins, and I'm here with the man who has something in his eye right there, Adam Farmer. Nicely done. Nicely done. I was trying to figure out which direction you're going to go with it. Do I have sleep in my eye? Am I just, do I have pink eye? I didn't know. I, I was curious based on everything uh, that we were given in this this episode, which direction you were going to go. And honestly, if anything that sticks with me from that episode, that's probably it. I find myself kind of scratching the corner of my eye um, periodically <laughs> right now. I will say it did have that effect on me. Like I, as I was watching it, I couldn't stop um, kind of playing with the corner of my eye. So. Yeah, it's it's kind of like that whole uh, the whole thing where someone says that they have lice or their head itches, and like it immediately makes you want to scratch your head. It, it, kind of the same thing with the whole like uh, something in my eye. You, you always want to attack the corner of your eye at that point. <laughs> well, at least the episode had some sort of impression on us. Um, <laughs> I think. <laughs> oh yeah, it's yeah. it was a very interesting episode. I'm you know I would be lying if I said I was looking forward to talking about it. But we are going to talk about it. Um, but before we do get into that, is there anything out in the news right now? I know we kind of were reaching the end of the season. Um, I actually didn't realize it, but this was this was the last episode before the finale, technically, because the finale yeah. is actually going to be three episodes long, and we only have three episodes left. Surprise, surprise! Yeah, so um, we're reaching the end of the season. This this whole thing's almost over. Um, is there any kind of news leading up to the finale? Anything interesting out there? Just, just a few things uh, just to t- toss out there. We don't need to spend too much time discussing probably any one of them. Uh, one thing that was interesting, just because character from Doctor Who, uh, we've talked about where Tenet has shown up. We've talked about where Smith has shown up. Uh, even some about uh, River Song. But one interesting piece of news is Michelle Gomez uh, show uh, appeared on an episode of Gotham here recently. I, I tried to watch the show um, towards the beginning. It kind of fell off. I know that you haven't really watched it, but it was interesting just to hear what people had to say about Michelle Gomez showing up on Gotham. And it essentially boils down to she played Missy. Uh, she was the master just showing up in Gotham for an episode. She was still as bananas as she is usually on Doctor Who. And people even went as far or some people went as far in their reviews to say that they fully believed that Missy popped into Gotham City for an evening, decided to play a part in the storyline. And soon she was heading back off to be the doctor again. Uh, so that I, I thought that was interesting just in the grand scheme of things. With characters in the Batman universe um, like the Joker or like Riddler, I could totally see Missy or the master uh, appearing in that world and, and playing a nice uh, villain. 
opposite Batman. Although I guess with Gotham, Batman doesn't exist yet, right? Not, not yet. And it sounds like uh, just reading parts of the story. I love reading stories. Um, I think we've talked about it before. Even though I might not watch a show, I, I read the story just to figure out what's going on. It sounds like at this point where they are in the story of Gotham, all things are going nuts. There's so many crazy characters in it. You don't know what's going to happen. They're truly, I mean, the inmates are running the asylum at this point. And what a better time to, for the, than for the master to show up. So who was she playing? Do you know? Uh, I be- <laughs> Yeah, get this. I believe her character's name was The Lady. The Lady. Yeah, the lady. And I think and from what I read, she is like the head of an assassin's guild. And so her job was to send all of these assassins after uh, Gordon. And then it was only later that she shows up herself, I believe. Um, but just from what it sounds like is she was just a, a nutcase the entire time. Huh. So maybe Michelle Gomez just doesn't have a lot of range as an actress. Either that or what she does is able to do as an actress has everybody um, just trying to get her on their show. It seems like every show is looking for just an insane character at this point. <laughs> and she fits it pretty well. Oh, definitely. Um, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And in and, and other news, um, we, we talked about it briefly last episode, the idea of whether or not Moffat has has a, another companion in place ready to go waiting in the wings how long it would be before that got spoiled for us before we knew who he or she was going to be um Moffitt very kindly came out this past week and said he has no idea what he's going to do with companion um no one no one is in place he doesn't know which direction he's going to go we might honestly get a, a companionless doctor for for a little bit um, so do we know if Clara is going to be in the Christmas special? I, has that been officially I, said yet? I, I, I haven't seen it anywhere. The last I heard about Clara and her exit is that it would both, both astound and break everybody's hearts. Um, but I don't know if they've put their finger on, when it's going to happen and honestly at this point in the season this is the one thing that i i don't want to spoil myself on i know she's going somewhere i know she's going to be out of the picture i kind of want that to be a surprise just and i'm kind of i'm kind of showing my hand here but with the state of the last couple episodes that we've had of doctor who um I want to have some aspect if, if we continue to head down the exact same path with these last three episodes, I want to have some aspect that I can cling to and relish. And that would be not having any idea when Claire, Claire is going to walk out of the TARDIS. Huh? Yeah. So do you have a prediction? Do you think that she will make it to the Christmas special? I'm thinking she doesn't. My, my gut says that she dies the next episode, next episode or in the finale. No, the, the the next episode. I don't think that she makes it past. I don't think she makes it in the last two. Interesting. Huh. Okay. I'm going to say she makes it through, or she makes it to the final episode of the season. I think that her departure will happen in the final episode of the season, and then the Christmas special, because we know that River Song is back, she, River Song will kind of play that part of as the companion. Um, River Song is going to have to pick up pieces one way or the other, right? Right. And 
I think we won't find out who the new companion is, um, which makes sense if they haven't cast them yet, then obviously they're not going to show up in the Christmas special. Um, so I'm assuming we'll have a, we'll have a Clara exit at the end of the season. We'll have River kind of play that part in the Christmas special. And then the next season will be the start of a new companion and they'll have a chance to cast and all that stuff over the, the break. And if, if rumors hold true, it sounds like it's going to be an extended break. So maybe that's a perfect time to find a new companion and get a solid story in place for whoever it is going to be. Hmm. Um, and, and moving right along, just looking at the, you mentioned this next episode that we're going to be watching, uh, I believe face the Raven is the start of a three part story arc, three part story arc. Um, of the season finale and just we were talking about it a little bit off the air um, I don't know if you wanted to bring it up now but the have we ever seen a three-parter in New Who yeah we actually were talking about that before the show we didn't know so we're not going to act like we knew we did look it up and there has been one other instance in modern Doctor Who that there was a three-parter and um it was the Utopia. It started with Utopia. So it was in Series 3. This would be still Tenant's era. And it was the three episodes, Utopia, The Sound of Drums, and The Last of the Time Lords. So all the stuff with the Master. That was the last time, and actually only time, in the modern Doctor Who that we've gotten a three-parter. And I find it quite interesting that that you watched Utopia... Uh, three weeks ago was it that you watched? Maybe maybe a little bit longer than that, but yeah. I find it interesting. Of all the episodes that you would have gone back and watched, it I happened that, to be that one. I thought that was funny too because when we were looking back through and trying to figure out if it ever had happened before, and we came across Utopia, and I was like, "Oh, I just saw that episode. We we were just talking about that." So yeah, I don't know. Hey, stranger things have happened. Uh, and one last thing about the last the the three parter. They have come out and mentioned that the final two episodes are going to have extended uh, watch times. So we're not going to have the typical 42 to 45 minute episode that we've been getting with these uh, with the previous episodes of Series 9. Uh, but we will, in fact, get, I believe, around 55 to 65 minute episodes for the last two episodes of the season. Well, that's good. I'm glad um, considering it's, you know, it's all coming to an end. Um, it would be nice to get some of those extended episodes. So if we're talking about a three-parter and two of those parts are going to be 60-plus minutes, um, it sounds like those three together will be feature film length. So it'll be that might be a good one to watch them individually and then go back and watch it all again. Um, yeah, all I, I kind of have a feeling... Story. Yeah, I kind of have a feeling that for those, it might be good to, to combine them... Um, just for the sake of getting getting the full thrust of what they're what they're about. So we actually got a little bit of feedback from a listener um, this episode or since our last episode um, that kind of relates to the whole idea of multiple episodes making up a story. Yeah, that's um, and it, it, it's it's something that's come up quite a bit in Doctor Who, uh, Moffat Moffat specifically for the longest time Moffat. Well, not for the longest time, but for a couple seasons, Moffat was adamant that two-parters have played 
played their part in Doctor Who. We don't need any more of those. We're going to go do a single episode format. And I believe that's why Series 8, we didn't have any two-parters. Is that correct? And then Series 7, we didn't have any or at least very few. So we went a couple seasons without all that many two-parters where they used to be a staple. Maybe every every other story, we would have a two-parter thrown in there. Um, and yet, here we come to Series 9, and it, it seems, well all the way up to this last episode that we watched sleep no more everything had been a two-parter and i know that you and i both um when sleep no more ended and we just sent a couple texts back and forth to each other we were like oh yeah we'll we'll double it up we'll watch the next episode and then we'll do our review so we have both episodes together and it was like it was kind of a surprise when both of us realized oh wait this is a a single episode story there it, there is not a two-parter for this one just because we've grown so attached to those two-parters well Joshua Sosa, um, who's who's been in contact quite a bit here just over over this series, really appreciate the the messages that he sends on Facebook. I know that he mentioned recently, hey, he would stop annoying us. No annoyance whatsoever. Keep these messages coming. Always fun to know that people are following along. Um, but he just decided to pass along some of his thoughts on the two parters. And we not too long ago, um, I asked you to rank where you thought these episodes fell halfway through the season, um, where the storylines fell. I believe that was the last episode uh, that we had Maisie Williams. So the woman who lived, um, I asked you to just go back through the first six and rank them. So we did, we came up with our, our ranking for it. Joshua said that, Hey, he couldn't really do that. Um, it didn't feel right to go back through because of the two parters. He found the season was actually harder to watch. Um, because of the two-parters, Moffat gave us too many two-parters. Um, I believe that after the season is over, I can watch every episode consecutively, that I will enjoy it more. I was able to prove this to myself when I watched both Zygon episodes last week in an attempt to catch up on my viewing, which I thought was interesting because both of us said the same thing, that we were really glad that before we did our review, we watched the Zygon episodes together. Uh, and then he goes on to say, overall, I feel a rewatch of the season is needed after Christmas. And we, as the viewers, can decide which stories were more enjoyable. Um, love to know if you guys have different opinions, but now on to the finish. Now on to finish the rest of the, your latest episode. Uh, hopefully he was able to finish that. But what are your thoughts on that? Would, are we doing, I guess, injustice to Series 9 of Doctor Who um, by trying to rank the episodes before having everything in the books? Um, I think that it just depends on your the way that you look at it. I think that if you're watching through the season one episode at a time, then it's really when you get that first episode without and then have to wait an entire week for the second one, it really does that first episode a disservice. Um, and it's hard to just review just one episode. And that's kind of what we were talking about before. Like maybe as they're having these two-parters, maybe it would be better for us to wait until the second part comes out and then review it. Um, but I think on a rewatch, you know, like he was saying, after the season's over, go back and rewatch it, but, you know, rewatch it one storyline at a time. I think that would definitely help these episodes feel a lot stronger. But when you take something like under the lake by itself, it's a very, very weak episode. Um, I would kind of say the same thing for Zygon invasion. Um, so yeah, I think, it is definitely a different way because we were so used to all the single episodes the last two seasons and then all of a sudden this entire season is like two-parters. Um, maybe we just got used to the other way and so it's kind of like, uh, 
uh, it's harder to get used to this. Yeah, I, I, I'm wondering if we've gotten used to the other way because I, for the longest time, have been a a champion. And I don't know if champion is the right word, but I loved two parters. Um, I loved the Rebel Flesh. I loved the different stories that we had. It always seemed like there was such a strong story when we got a two parter. It was always so they they ended it at a perfect time. There was always this great cliffhanger before you jumped into the next one, and yet this series, as I've watched the two parters. It, it seems like the first episode is always lacking something. Um, and as opposed to being two very strong episodes that just so happen to have a story that, that run or that ties both of them together, it seems like they're two very weak episodes that you need both of them in order for it to survive. So I totally understand what, uh, what Josh was saying here as far as like going back after the season and maybe maybe not ranking each episode individually, but ranking each story, maybe that would be a more fair way to go about it. Um, but it's kind of hard. Like you said, as we're watching it, we aren't getting two stories at the same time. We're getting a single episode by itself. Um, so it, it, it's kind of where we are and what we're doing. It just makes sense to go ahead and rank uh, halfway through the season. Plus I, I just like picking your brain. I like to get you riled up. I like to get, get you talking and uh, monologuing about different episodes. So I had to ask the question. <laughs> I think my preferred way of doing a two-parter is kind of what they did with the girl who died and the woman who lived, where even though the girl who died was the first part of a two-parter, it did stand on its own. You could watch the girl who died as just a separate episode and you know feel like you got a full story, and then the woman who lived still tied into it. But they both kind of they both stood alone as individual episodes. But then when watched together could, you know, because there was similar elements and and you're coming across the same character, um, they definitely felt like they went together. So I like the continuing story thread and using same, like using some of these characters uh, multiple times throughout the same season and keeping some of the themes going. But I don't necessarily like um, the way that they're doing it this season where for most of those two-parters, it just seemed like the the first episode on its own just died and just didn't didn't really hold up. Yeah, I the girl who died and the woman that lived is a great a great example of two very strong stories that just so happened to tie get, tie together. And that's one of the things that has always made Doctor Who great is so often you have those recurring characters, you have those stories that are referenced elsewhere. And it just so happened. We, I mean, we talked about it at the time, like you could have had other episodes falling between the girl who died and the woman that lived. And it would still have felt like very, a very strong, strong showing for both episodes. But well, the, anywho, one, the one story thread we are getting, that's kind of going through all of these stories is the whole idea of the hybrids. So we're still wondering what the payoff for that's going to be. Um, and maybe once we get that payoff, um, some of these other stories will make a little bit more sense. Yeah. You, you know, another thing that came to mind is that if we're looking for a story that seems like it needs a second half, um, I think sleep no more falls into that category pretty well. You want to talk about it? Yeah, man. I was, I was thoroughly confused. I will, I will admit I was thoroughly confused with this episode (laughs) Even on a rewatch. Um, but yeah, we can talk about it. Uh, Sleep No More, story number 258, season 9, episode 9. This one was written by the ever-popular Mark Gatiss, directed by Justin Mal- Malatnikov. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. 
And <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of the stats for it. But, um, yeah, man, this one, this one was rough for me. Like I, I told you pre-show, I'm going to try to stay as positive as possible on this episode. But I'll just say it right off the bat. I think this is my least favorite Doctor Who episode of all time. <laughs> I don't I, I I'm I'm struggling with you making that statement right now. I just got to say like it, even more so than the Egg Moon. Yes. Are you really? There's so even many reasons. Even more so than the Egg Moon. <laughs> Let's talk about the episode. Let's talk about some yeah. of the, the okay. details, the characters, the story, and then maybe when we get to the end we can kind of go back and, and, and bring this discussion back up. Why do I feel like it's the worst? Maybe you can bring up some other ones that you'll change my mind. But totally. But for now, let's just talk about it. So we have another space station story. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's probably the best place to start in my mind. Because when it comes to strong story elements, um, I think both of us can agree that the whole concept of a space station and being chased through a space station it feels like it's run its course, right? It, it doesn't feel original anymore. It seems like we've been there, done that. Even this season, although it was underwater, we've been there and we've done that. Right. I'm thinking maybe once a season you do this. You know, this is a, it's kind of one of those Doctor Who things. You know, you, you come, the Doctor, um, the TARDIS materializes on a space station or a military base or something where people are trapped inside. Um, it happens, you know, it happens a lot. But yeah, you're right. I felt like this, as soon as it started up, we have that cast of characters um, that the Doctor meets. They're inside this enclosed station trying to escape. And I was like, didn't we just see this? Like just two stories ago or three stories ago? Like we literally just saw this story. And and, and it's one of those things that at the time when we watched um, Under the Lake, they in the Doctor Who extra that they give... Um, that covers some of the details of the story and how they produced it and everything like that. Moffat was talking about how the set the set builder set builder outdid themselves. Like they they gave a great underwater station. I'm wondering if they if they just thought, hey, this is such a great set. We need to we need to use it more than once. One more than one story needs to have this set because the corridors look almost identical <laughs> to, to what we had um, with under the lake. They just gave it different lighting. Yeah. They're running through corridors away from mysterious monsters. Um, I mean, the details of what the monsters were, who the people were that the doctor was interacting with, um, you know, were definitely different, but, but it's just as sketchy, right? They're, they're the same type of character. We don't know who they are. We don't know where they've come from. And at the end of the episode, we don't have any more information than what we started with. <laughs> the only problem with this one is we don't have a second part to explain everything. <laughs> yeah, it literally right. is a... I have a really hard time believing there won't be some sort of reference back to this in the next episode. I know they're saying the next three episodes are um, like one story. But you can't tell me that they're going to just leave us hanging the way they left us hanging. Like... Um, with just little to no explanation, um, I don't know. Maybe that maybe at the very beginning of the next episode, they're going to kind of give us a little bit of a wrap up for this one. Yeah, I I I'm hoping something like that. But anyways, that's that's the setting that we have for this episode. 
stranded space station, power's gone out, 24 hours of silence. Then we go ahead and we have a rescue rescue crew. But it's not only the setting, they've also they also experimented with kind of the storytelling of this episode as well. Yeah, so we get an episode with that's kind of told from with the idea of it being found footage. Even in um I don't know like how you typically watch the episodes, but I I end up having to buy them on iTunes. And even in the episode description, they actually said in the episode description it wasn't like this is an episode of Doctor Who. It was like this footage was found and, you know, BBC has allowed us to use it and we apologize to the families of the people who who were lost in this footage or whatever. Like it even in the description on iTunes it's made it try to seem like it was a real event that happened. Yeah, they they definitely had they went all out for this idea of found footage. Even to the point of I don't know if you caught it but they skipped the intro entirely. We don't have the typical Doctor Who intro. They just kind of jump right into the episode. It's the first time that they've ever done that. I actually didn't notice, um, but then I, I went back and saw that uh, somebody had, had had pointed that out, and then also that in that code that pops up, yeah, that actually was the title screen because you can actually yeah. see the words Doctor Who hidden in that code. Yep. So I thought that was kind of interesting i mean there were definitely elements to this episode that i liked i'm not going to say every single thing about the episode i didn't like um up until the point like when the doctor um you know you have this this group that's going to the space station they're trying to rescue any survivors the doctor shows up and he has his little conversation with clara about um space restaurants and space champagne. And I thought, you know, <laughs> yes. that was funny. And, you know, the Definitely. the woman says something about space pirates and Claire's like, see, space pirates. Um, yep. Which there was actually a classic episode of Doctor Who titled Space Pirates, which I thought was uh, a nice little throwback reference. But, yeah, so, you know, it's starting out fine. Like, even though it was on a space station and there's a group of people that the Doctor's going to meet, I was fine with that. I don't, and I think I said it before on the Under the Lake episode. If they're going to use that trope, I'm fine with it as long as they do it well. Right. And this one I thought was doing fine up until the point where the guy on the video says the doctor had an explanation as to what these monsters were, and then he says something about about it being sleep dust. Yeah. And everything just went downhill from there for me because I couldn't, ju- I just couldn't get on board with it. I, I was thinking, like, what is sleep dust? I've never heard that term before. I don't know if that's like a British way of referring to that or if that's just unique to Doctor Who. But I had never heard, you know, the stuff in the corner of your eye called sleep dust before. Actually, I when I was a kid, we used to call it eye boogers. Yeah, we used to call it chicken poo. Chicken poo. So maybe it's a regional <laughs> thing. My wife, it must be. My wife, who is Filipino uh, and who grew up on Guam, they call it muta. So, I mean, there's yeah. a, you know, it's a different, yeah. you know... De- Depending on where you grew up, I'm sure everybody calls it something different. I had never heard it called sleep dust before. Um, but as the doctor's explaining it, I'm just like, what? You're trying to tell me that these monsters who look like, um, you know, a deformed version of Clayface from Batman the Animated Series. That's the best description of them, yes. <laughs> you, you're telling me that they are just uh, built up eye boogers <laughs> <laughs> it made no sense to me it just it literally when he brought that up i laughed 
when he had that explanation because I thought he was joking. Yeah, I kind of going going back to what you said, like there were positive elements of this episode. There really were. But one thing that I wrote in my notes as I was watching this, yes, I kept notes, <laughs> uh, was that for every for every positive thing, for everything about this episode I loved, there were two things that just kind of like that detracted from that. Like I loved I I I thought the at the start of the episode when they're in the corridors and they even the found footage style, they shine their lights on them and then they all take off running. I thought I thought, wow, this is going to be good because we don't know what those creatures are. We didn't get a good look at them. Those could potentially be scary. But as soon as they showed you what they were and as soon as the doctor gave his theory, the whole mystique of that monster was just lost. If they could have kept them a mystery the entire time and never given some type of explanation, if we would have never fully seen them, they could have been potentially scary. Um, but yeah, the, the the whole idea that they are the sleep in your eye that has just accumulated and come together and all of a sudden they just, they, they cannibalize the host. That was, that was just too much for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it, and what, what kills me is that all of the off season leading up, like they made a big deal out of this episode being the scariest episode of Doctor Who and Mark Geddes just like rocked this and it's it's going to be incredible and kids are going to be frightened by this episode and it's going to haunt them for the rest of their lives and and we come to find out they're eye boogers like that's not scary that's comical like I, <laughs> I like you're getting eaten by eye boogers that's great I I mean even the concept of what they were like they were dust um, I felt like there's other ways they could have gone about it. You know, there, maybe it's an alien species that takes the form of, you know, dust and, you know, it can kind of form itself together and, and become this kind of crazy monster, but you know, it's sentient and it's an alien species, um, space dust, you know, but yeah. the fact that they had to try to turn it into something that it was part of us, you know, something that came from humans and, and, you know, built its sentience that it just, it was so far fetched, um, as far. And that's, that's saying a lot when it comes to Dr. Who, because pretty much every monster we ever get is very far fetched. And, yeah. you know, you kind of have to give it that, that pass, you know, okay. Dr. Who is what it is. It has a lot of really cheesy elements, cheesy monsters. Uh, we were just talking about last episode, how the Zygons, there's so much potential for what the Zygons could be, but then they just look so comical. It's hard to be scared of them. Right. Um, but yeah, I just felt like they just took it to another level to a similar level as the whole chicken in the moon thing for me, where it was just too much. It had gone too far. <laughs> like I could only suspend my disbelief so far to the point of it just being, I can't even enjoy this because I can't get invested in it. I mean, we, we are talking about the same series that gave us the adipose, right? The, the, the live, the live body fat, (laughs) like that's, that's what the adipose is. And yet that's a character that people loved. It had personality (laughs) to be quite honest. Like it, they were cute, you know, it's like kind of like it was, it was meant to be comical. It was, and I think even the tone of the tone of even that time in Dr. Who and the 10th doctor and kind of the type of stories they were telling, um, were more tongue in cheek, but this one was trying to sell us on this being terrifying. Like there was, there were scenes 
you know, when they get stuck in that freezer and there's like those body bag things hanging from the ceiling and there's like blood pooled on the floor, you know, and everyone just seems so terrified. Like they were trying to sell us on the fact that this is a very scary, intense viewing experience. Yeah. And watching Doctor Who extra um, of this episode. So Mark Geddes is ex- describing what he's wanting and Moffat is chiming in for, for what they gave. And like that idea of Mark Gatiss, he, he wanted this creature and he thought it would be good. And as soon as he mentioned it, Moffat just thought this is going to be incredible. Like that makes a lot of sense and this is going to be awesome. And they wanted to do it. And it's something that they've wanted to do ever since he did robots of Sherwood, which that was, that was series eight. So this has been in the works and yet this is what this is what they gave us. And then we get to character design and Mark Geddes is like, yeah, I wanted them to have their, the, the wide open gaping maw, their mouth just, just dropping down. And that, that's one of those things that I just thought was like, I don't know. It looked amateur. Like you said, it looked like Clayface from the animated series, just <laughs> in live action. They were rubber suits. I don't know. I, I felt like if you're going to try to make us believe that this is sleep dust, make the character more frightening do, do something with it like allow it to truly scare us and i feel like i feel like that was missing i don't think i had as much of an issue as you did on the design of the character in fact i didn't mind it as much they kept him in, in they kept him in shadow a lot um a lot of the scenes where you kind of see them um ominously kind of in the shadows that worked for me i think the big issue i had was just like what they were not necessarily the design it was just the explanation as to what they were, I thought was just, just goofy. Just, (laughs) just really ridiculous. Um, and, and I think I could have given it a pass. Like I said before, if it was done well, you know, if you're going to tell me that it's sleep dust and it's coming from the corner of our eyes and because of this Morpheus machine, they gained some sort of sentience and were able to conglomerate and turn into these big clay face monsters. I, I can, I can run with that. If there's some sort of semblance of a story around it that makes sense to me and it didn't this whole, like even up until the end, um, I think they were going for the whole, you know, I don't know if you ever saw, I'm trying to think there's a Denzel Washington movie about a demon. Um, uh, what was it called? where basically the movie is about this demon that possesses people and jumps from host to host. And in the end, you think the demon has been defeated, but this it escapes, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen this movie, it escapes from jumping from God, John Goodman's dead body to a cat. And at the very <laughs> end of the movie, you just see this cat walking away, and you're like, oh crap, the demon survived. The, the bad guy won. And that's the end of the movie. And that's kind of how I felt with this movie, this story. It was just like, you have the ending... The doctor escapes, but he doesn't really defeat the bad guy. He just runs away, and then the Sandman guy is there kind of telling the world, hey, if you're watching this, you're infected. And I don't know. I guess maybe they were going for that kind of like shock moment where you're like, oh, crap, the bad guy's actually won for once against Doctor Who. But that never happens in Doctor Who. You know, it's kind of is it's taking away from um, the doctor in this in that he literally just ran away. Yeah, and that's I I keep referring to the Doctor Who extra, but I, I feel like 
at least gives a peek behind the curtain as to what they were thinking when they put this this episode together because Moffat refers to something very similar of that as far as like the idea of we think it's very Doctor Who for the Doctor to always win and kind of in Moffat-esque he's like when you look at the the classic series a lot of times the Doctor is just trying to survive I mean look at a lot of the first <laughs> the first Doctor episodes where He's they're just trying to get back to the TARDIS and leave. It doesn't matter what happens to the civilization or what else, as long as they escape and they survive. And Moffat kind of refers to that as this episode. Like for for once in the modern series, we're just seeing the doctor the doctor leave, <laughs> the doctor try to survive, the bad guy wins, and we're kind of left with that. And then they cut to a scene of Capaldi kind of getting asked a similar question and he's like he i i like to believe that although we didn't see the doctor win the doctor ultimately wins you just don't know that he wins and it's like that whole idea that i think both of us are thinking is that the doctor really goes on and does something to make sure that this doesn't happen or he plays the bigger practical joke on the sandman and everything's okay but it seems like moffat and mark Geddes are perfectly happy with the doctor losing in this episode what they'll do is they'll have an online only six minute special where the doctor goes back to the station and takes the VHS <laughs> tape out of the VCR that we'll never see that. Ne- <laughs> like it doesn't actually transmit um, because the guy forgot to hit record or something. I don't know. <laughs> like it'll be something stupid like that, but no, I don't know. Like I see what they're saying as far as that's kind of what the doctor used to be in the early series. You know, he's just trying to get away, but I always saw that as like, um, part of the evolution of the doctor in that even in the very beginning when he, his only goal was to escape, get back to the TARDIS, get out of there. Don't really worry about what happens to these people. In fact, he would even say to his companions, like we can't interfere. Right. Um, but in the end, they always did. They always interfered. The people that they were with always ended up being helped and they figured out the problem um, and, and save the day. And so now we're talking, you know, however many years later, 50 plus years later, and you're telling me we're back to that first, you know, idea of the doctor that he's just trying to run away. No, like the doctor has evolved over however many hundreds of years that he's lived. Um, At this point in time, he's not just running away anymore. He is actually helping people. So to me, I don't, I don't accept that as a valid excuse as to why they, they ended it the way that they did. That's me being stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I I I have a hard time believing that. What one of the theories that I read in another review again, I wish I remember who who put this out there. Um, but they they offered up the idea similar to what you said as far as like the bad guy thinks he won, but what we don't understand is when the doctor was in the the engine room or whatever that main control room was, is that he did something in there. So that he, the, the Sandman didn't really realize that he really wasn't going to be able to transmit it. Something like that. So he's left to believe that he won when in reality, the doctor already foiled everything, which, which would be fine, but don't leave that to the fans to come up with that explanation. Right. Exactly. Give us that in the episode. I would have been fine with that. You know, give us some sort of explanation as to how the doctor saved the day, you know, how, even though it's appeared that he was running away, give us some sort of flashback, you know, um, Moffat loves his, his little like 
flashbacks and things like that that explain things. Why not have a little flashback as he's escaping on the TARDIS, showing us all those moments that we didn't even notice where the Doctor was going behind the scenes and, and making it so that transmission didn't go out. Um, that would have been that moment at the end where I would have been like, ah, okay, now it all makes sense, and I'm okay with this episode now. But, yeah, I mean, and even like, because he escaped the tart or he escaped on the TARDIS with Clara and um, Nagata. Nagata, right? Yep. Okay. So he has even that. It's just like we're left we're left hanging so much in in that he. What happened to her? Yeah. There's another character on the TARDIS now. Like the um and like I said, maybe next episode the intro the intro to the next episode may clear all this up. I really hope they don't just kind of leave us hanging and just they start the next adventure without any closure. I would love for there to just be like two minutes at the beginning where Nagata's still on the sh- on the TARDIS with them. The Doctor tells his clever, you know, thing that he did that we didn't pay attention to that he actually defeated the Sand People, and then they start the next adventure. You know, then I'll even though I think that's poor form to like to do that, I will at least have a little bit more of an understanding and be like, okay, you know, I wouldn't have done it that way, but at least we get some kind of closure. I'm with you. So the doctor, the the other thing too is like the doctor kept saying, um, he kept saying like this seems like a story or it seems like this is all staged. Um, he even says right at the end of the episode, he says this doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense, and he's literally <laughs> saying the words that are in my brain. <laughs> um, and even that, like it was just the doctor was. It sounded like the doctor was confused as he's running away, and. I that's why when the when the episode ended I literally was just convinced that there was a second part. I didn't realize that this was a one parter. Um I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, I it's like it's so it's it's one of the creative elements of this story. It's honestly to me it's one of the positive elements is that you come to the end and you find out that everything you just watched really was staged. It was fake. Um, but was it the main... So like that's the part I don't understand because even the guy that was taking the video or doing the video um, says kind of the same thing. He's like, I hope you enjoyed this. It was dramatic. Like he even had the big ending. But what, what part of it was staged? There was no actors. Like the the all of the military people that were there were actually military people, right? Like I'm not missing yeah. something where literally – Clara and the doctor walked into some kind of reenactment like the this actually happened right right it it actually happened but as far as like um he's the one that shut down the space station so that like everything would have been totally fine he's the one that shut it down so everybody would have to come there he's the one that uh sabotaged the anti-grav initially so the space station started falling and the doctor had to fix it he's the one that he in in his mind he orchestrated the different events, the different things that happened to provide the, the suspense. And it's kind of playing on that idea of like, he's wanting people to watch the video so that the signals in the video can infect everybody's minds, rewire them so that more sand creatures are made, what have you. And as a storyteller, he knows in order for people to watch, in order for people to share, in order to get really the views on YouTube, he needs to give a compelling story. No one's going to watch, just like happy things happen. He needed to orchestrate these big events so that people were always staying to the end so that 
all those every one of those signals i at least i'm assuming and maybe i'm reading too much into it it wasn't a single signal that was going to or glitch in the video that was going to mess up someone's mind it was going to have to be all of them and he needed you to stay until the very end and so he built that suspense he put in those weird scenarios he orchestrated everything or not everything but he put situations in place and then allowed them to play out okay yeah i like when they were had that kind of explanation at the end it made me rethink the whole episode and that's why i rewatched it because i was thinking oh i missed i missed something very key in that I even thought the point where maybe those um, sleep, you know, those dust men or, or whatever they're called, sand men, um, were actually actors, like people in, actually in suits, you know, like that it was actually all staged and so much of it wasn't even real. And I was like, did I just miss that? Like, but no, I rewatched it and no, there it was all, it all really happened. Yeah. And I, it it is confusing, but I think that's one of, when you get to the end of the episode and the whole – you find out that it was all just this big scam to get you to watch. You've been tricked essentially to watch it. I thought that was – okay, I'll give Mark Geddes props for that. That was that was creative. That was fun to get to the end and have that. I like um, I like the end, like literally that like last scene where he's kind of explaining like, oh, you, I told you not to watch it, but you watched it anyways. Yeah, exactly. And, and share this with your family and your friends and so he, we can all be together. And his voice gets really deep and he, and then he like rubs his eye and then it kind of like falls away. And so I was like, yeah, yes. that was all well done. That was super creepy, um, yeah. you know, scary element. Um, yeah, like I liked that, that part, but then... I didn't like, I just didn't like it as a whole, you know, the whole idea of it, even the plan, even the guy's plan that he is going to create this compelling story. So people will watch the video. Well, doesn't it just take the first person that watches it to get to the end and be like, Oh wait, crap. Like I shouldn't have watched that. And then just not share it with their friends. Cause he's like, you're going to share it with your families and friends. It's like, no, I'm pretty sure you just told me that if I share it with my family and friends, they're going to turn into sandmen. So I'm probably not gonna, you know, click that share button on Facebook. Maybe, maybe it brainwashes too. Maybe. I mean, we we are talking about it. True, true. I mean, we're we may already be infected. In fact, we might. Let me wipe that sleep from my eye. I have something <laughs> right there. Right there. <laughs> but yeah, so I just didn't like it. I think maybe they just got, they tried to get too creative with it and it just, maybe there's some fans out there that really enjoyed that. And were like, Hey, this is unique. It's a unique doctor who story. It's something we've never seen before as far as kind of the doctor running away and not necessarily defeating the monster. Um, found footage was unique. You know, maybe people liked that. I'm sure there's a, some portion of the fandom out there that enjoyed this. But for me personally, no, this is not my doctor. Doesn't run from monsters. My doctor defeats monsters. He tells them to oh, run. Snap! That's a t-shirt right there. <laughs> he tells them to run. <laughs> yes. So, yes. Um, okay. Yes. Before... Two, two thumbs down on this one. Okay. I, before before we go too far, I want to hear you name five positive things about this episode. Five positive things. Some Five of, positive okay. things. Um, some of the humor, I th- I thought was funny. Space space restaurant, you know that whole thing. I thought that was funny. Um, 
across the board, I thought the acting was good. There wasn't like one character kind of like the, the under the lake episode where there was a couple of people that I just thought were just really bad actors. Um, you know, I thought across the board, these, these, the characters were fine. Um, so I'll give them that. Uh, is that two things? That's two things. The mystery <laughs> of the great catastrophe. What is that? You know, that little drop there was kind of interesting. Um, the the creepiness at the end, which I kind of already gave them props for, uh, the whole idea of of the sand guy like rubbing his eye and his voice getting really deep that was that was super creepy. So um, that was good. Um, fifth thing, I don't know. You just need one more. Just We're one not more. moving on until you until you have one more. It was Clara Light. Oh, there wasn't a lot of clear. Oh. Really, actually, it's funny because think about what we just—we just spent how much time discussing this entire episode. Did we bring Claire up once? No, we didn't. She didn't You're do right. anything. She ran around in her heels and her dress and didn't do anything. Least prepared for a Doctor Who adventure. Why are you wearing heels? <laughs> she she doesn't run anymore. That's why Rose always wore jeans and and tennis shoes. You know that's that's the correct outfit to wear when you're when you're on a, a mission with the doctor but yep. no i what one other thing that i thought was creative and i know that we can we could talk all day long about how it makes no sense whatsoever um but the i i thought it was solid how you never had the camera angle from Claire's eyes until she got sucked in the Morpheus machine and they came out and then all of a sudden you had that camera angle. I thought that was creative. I liked that part of it. Um, but now how that worked and how you had camera angles that weren't through people's eyes. I think I, think I can, I think I can accept like the camera angle through people's eyes, but I can't accept the camera angle floating around, but Anyways, I think the explanation was that literally all the dust, even in the air, was controlled by these these sand men, and they had tapped into it and were able to get visual, um, visuals through the dust, which once again really makes no sense at all. But <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that I think was the explanation. Which I was wondering why they kept showing it from people's perspectives. If they had access to the dust in the air, why not just give us an above view so we could see more? <laughs> no that gets rid of all the fun yeah that's true um but yeah this one was bad man not i I, i'm gonna stick to my guns uh unless you can point out some clear episodes that i'm not thinking of of the modern series this is now my least episode least favorite episode of the modern series hands down okay you ready we're gonna run through some of the episodes that are considered the worst episodes of modern who Okay. Okay. So the first one, Kill the Moon. Did not like that episode at all. I will. I still would say that that was better than this because even though I didn't like the story, it had a story. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, the next one, the let, let me that one, Love and Monsters, the Azorbaloff. Oh, I mean that was just that's nostalgic. I I have fun watching that episode. It's super cheesy, but. I no, that one's good. I actually like that episode. Okay. Um in the forest of the night. In the forest of the night. So is this a Danny Pink episode? This is Danny Pink 
uh, middle schoolers get caught in the museum. The entire yes. world's a forest. There's the sun flare. Really, yeah. really has no point to it whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I think I, if I'm remembering correctly back on that one, I, I didn't mind that episode. This one is actually rated lower than Kill the Moon. Okay. No, I mean, that one, although I think it probably wasn't one of the stronger episodes of that specific season, I really didn't have an issue with it. Okay. And then the last one that's considered the the, the biggest dis- disappointment of New Who is Fear Her. The little girl who squiggles come to life turns out to be bonded to an alien that misses its swarm, just as a girl misses her dead father. But luckily, the Olympics happen. Agreed on that one. That is a bad episode. Um, <laughs> Worse than this one. <laughs> wow. That's the question. I will say this just to be fair to that episode and to this episode. I don't remember that episode enough to say if I liked it worse or better than this one. So I can't give it a fair assessment. It's been a long enough time since I've seen that episode. I do remember not liking it at all. Um, so th- maybe I need to go back and rewatch that one. That would be in contention possibly with being worse than this. But for now, because I've seen this one recently and I have very strong feelings about it, I'm going to say this one's still my least favorite, but the, that one maybe, maybe on a rewatch, I might, I might go back on that. This, this list, I'm just going to give props to um, who props are due. This is from IO nine. Um, every single doctor who story ranked from best to worst. Oh, wow. Uh, and it is, it is an incredible, incredible article that they put together. I've read, I've read through quite a bit of it multiple times just to see where some of my favorite episodes fall. Um, but yeah, they have, they have fear her as being of the modern series, the lowest, lowest ranked. I think it's like five or four from the bottom. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great one. So I will I will definitely say if the whoever wrote that article needed to add in this episode that they would probably put it near the bottom. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'd love to hear feedback from either listeners or just you know go talk to some of my friends that watch this. Just maybe I'm like way off base in how bad this, I thought this episode was, but I just thought it was clearly just a bad story. Um, I don't know. Like, what did you think? I, I'm being pretty open about, you know, my feelings on it. What, how did you feel about it in comparison to other, um, you know, specifically Capaldi episodes that we've seen? Yeah. See, I, I don't, as soon as you said that, that it's the worst episode, I thought in my mind, no, there's, there's worse episodes than this but I can't think of one that I would necessarily put worse than this. And kind of along the reasons that you're saying, like, yeah, there were episodes that were just downright goofy, but they at least had a story that made sense. And Mark Geddes, from everything I've heard, other people say he's brilliant. So maybe I'm just too... I'm not intelligent enough to understand <laughs> what he's doing with his stories. We're not um, smart I'll, enough to pick up on the, the subtle nuances of his storytelling possibly. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll give him credit for that. Like maybe I'm just missing something. It's not him. It's me. But once you said it was the worst one, I've tried to think in my mind, like, no, there's, there are ones worse. I can't come up with anything like uh, that. I would, there's episodes like I would say, okay, maybe curse of the black spot. Um, dinosaurs like, on a spaceship. 
dinosaurs yeah see episodes <laughs> like that but they're still like they're novelty episodes that i would go back and watch i don't i don't see myself going back and watching this one there's just nothing to feel good about you know yeah there's just you watch it and in the end the hero your hero is running away and it's yeah. like no, and you're expecting like, that second episode you're expecting something more you're expecting a longer story and we have nothing. Like, I keep on waiting for this next episode so we can give this a positive story review come uh, come the next recording that we do. And this is where we're going to be done. This is where we leave it. <laughs> this is where we should leave it. I think we've, we have thoroughly uh, put this one through the ringer. Um, I, think, I think we should just, we should end it. Okay, well, before we end it, I do have seven questions. Oh, no. <laughs> I do. I do have seven questions. All right. Seven questions. Let's do it. Okay. Question one. Was Chopra pretty? Chopra. Oh, yes. My answer to that is yes. <laughs> okay. He was a pretty guy. Okay. Okay. Um, would you use the Morpheus? No. My my biggest, like, one thing that I still don't understand about this episode were the guns really just giant flashlights? <laughs> no, because we saw her shoot the the one guy. <laughs> no, but they don't use them any other time. They fire the guns twice, okay? Once <laughs> at the beginning when they're running away, and I'm pretty sure they shoot the wall. Two, when she kills the guy. The other time, they use it as a bat, like as a club. Like, what was 474 doing using it as a club? Well, I mean, obviously... They were totally ineffective um, at the last part of the episode. But anyways, they just seemed like giant flashlights to me. Um, four, are you accepting the sonic sunglasses now? <laughs> I, I, uh, yes. I'm right there with you. Like, he pulled out those sonic sunglasses. He was using them. I didn't even bat an eye. I've episode. gotten used to them. They don't, yeah, they don't stick out to me as being odd anymore. I've gotten no. used to them. It's so strange. Yeah. Um, and could we have just put in, put everybody else in this episode in a red shirt? Yes. Uh, would you pick up the sleep dust after it broke off from their arm? <laughs> out of curiosity? Um, no. I would not touch that stuff at all. Like, Did somebody do that? Heard, Yes, the doctor, he picks oh, okay. it up. He walks around with it. Like, he calls it eye mucus. Who would touch that? <laughs> um, and then finally, do you know and are you willing to sing the Mr. Sandman song? No. <laughs> oh, no. come on. <laughs> Definitely uh, not. Come on. That part <laughs> where the, the guy got locked out of the door and it made him <laughs> sing that. I was as frustrated as that character was at that point. Uh, poor, <laughs> what, poor, what was his name? Deep, Deep, uh, Roy? Deep Ando. A Deep Ando. Deep yeah. Roy's the the guy who plays the hobbits on Lord of the Rings. I think it was supposed to be an amazing actor. The idea that, and we didn't really talk about it, but the idea that there's this been this great catastrophe in Japan and India have merged. Um, so the name Deep. Ando, Ando is a Japanese name. Deep, obviously, is uh, part of an Indian name. So I think that they were trying to trying to meld that together to to give us the idea that that cult, those two cultures, were now one. So. Yeah, there were there were so there. I mean, honestly, 
we've talked a lot about this episode. There's so many different other aspects that they just kind of tossed in there, like the whole idea of the great catastrophe of the merging of Japan and um, India, of the grunts that they just grow and they are... One thing that that I read leading up to to this episode is that that character was supposed to be... um, have be basically gender ambiguous um which is kind of obvious as you watch it but they refer to the character as a uh, 474 as a her and she calls chopper pretty i mean there's all these other different elements of it um but they were they were all just kind of tossed in there and overshadowed by the rest of the story so we don't need to go into yeah yeah it was it was almost like there was this world building um you know that they were trying to make it believable which i i now that you're talking about it, it did they did a good job with that. I was interested to learn more about the state of the world in the 38th century or wherever they were. Um, yeah. You know, that part of it, um, you know, I was interested. And like I kind of said before, that was all information that was dropped on us before the idea of of sleep dust was dropped on us. So I was with it, you know, that, that part. You know, I was definitely like, oh, yeah, this is kind of cool. Like, I want to know more about the great catastrophe. I want to know more about what's going on in the world. And then the doctor starts talking about, you know, eye booger monsters and i was like nope uh, like you said they did world building and to their credit all totally believable all totally accepted i didn't bet an eye from that point forward um once they had already mentioned all that stuff i didn't bother to even think about it it's just like oh yeah cool this is awesome now we know what happens in the 38th um century 38 yeah in the 3800s this is and this is probably not the most ridiculous monster we've ever gotten it probably isn't like if if you think back through stuff like you you even pointed out the, the squiggle monsters the squiggle monsters you know basically drawings uh the otopos you know we even the, even the 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 snowmen you know the idea of these like killer snowmen you know like we've had some pretty <laughs> those are real kelvin and hobbs no <laughs> so we've had some pretty crazy stuff in the past um maybe this was just kind of like a you know a tipping point for me straw that broke that camel's back you know where <laughs> i was just like nope i've had enough I've had enough give me some more, <laughs> no more seri- dust. i need like 10 serious episodes in a row with seriously scary monsters to to clean my palate of this one i I've, I've i don't know i can't stop talking about this episode but kind of what you said like <laughs> if we could have viewed we tried like, to end each, it <laughs> i know each end but think of it like each individual piece of dust or sand whatever you want to refer to it as being a sentient alien being and it's just they all come together and like spinning the story as far as like here on earth we fall asleep and these little beings are trying to infiltrate our mind while we sleep and when we wake up we just brush them aside like they're nothing and basically the Morpheus machine allows them like superpowers because we get a full night's sleep in five minutes. It just superpower makes them superpowered. Like that would have been so much better of a story. Then you could explain away why they all have their own sight when they're floating around the air. You could exp- like you could make it scary. I would be afraid to fall asleep because these little things are trying to get into my brain. <laughs> but instead, it's my eye mucus. Well, I think we can end it with with this. Yes. The professor warned us. He warned us. First thing he said as soon as the episode started was, do not watch this. Yep. We we should have listened to him. We should have. We so, should have. Uh, so, as usual, 
You can find us on iTunes if you like our show. If you like hearing us complain about this <laughs> this stuff, um, a babble about Doctor Who, right? If you, if you enjoy our show, we'd love for you to head over to iTunes, give us a nice five star review. Um, we are also on Twitter at Bad Wolf Podcast. We'd love to hear from you over there. Facebook Bad Wolf Radio. Search for us. We're the one with the black and white logo. And uh, you can always shoot us an email, badwolfpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we thank, you know, we, we got a message today, uh, or we, we read a message today from one of our listeners. So we love to get messages. Um, you know, even if it's critical of the way we reviewed something, if, if you loved this episode and you're just completely confused why we didn't like it, we'd love to hear your reasons. Uh, so send us an email. And we can talk about it on the next episode. And you can find us on the Shot Glass Digital Podcast Network. Until next time. Later days. Oh, 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 oh.